Hi there, House Culture listener. If you enjoy this episode or have enjoyed listening to other episodes in our series, please support and donate to us through the Acast Supporter feature. All donations will help us create the content that you love listening to. You can decide how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So it could be a one-off and every now and then or once every time you listen. It's really up to you. Click on the supporter link in the episode description and with Google or Apple Pay, it will take you less than 30 seconds to make your contribution. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, this is Gladys Pizarro, and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. House Culture Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the House Culture Podcast with me, your host, the managing editor at House Culture, Matt Rouse. Thank you for putting your headphones on today and listening to this. It's you, dear listener, that keeps this podcast going and makes it what it is. If you haven't tuned in before, then I'd like to welcome you to House Culture. We are a collective of house music fans who have come together through their mutual love of the beat to celebrate the spirit of house music. Come follow us over on Instagram at housecultureNet and there you'll be greeted to our very own dance floor that is made up of over 100,000 followers. Please don't forget if you haven't already to dig through our brilliant back catalogue of interviews that features original innovators like Danny Rampling, David Morales and Graham Park behind-the-scenes creators like Pike's Hotel creative director Dawn Hindle, our manumission founders Mike and Claire, and current superstars such as Purple Disco Machine, Josh Butler and lovely Laura. We have something for all tastes, as well as some huge guests coming up, so hit that follow button to make sure you don't miss out on any new releases. Now let's get on with this episode, shall we? This person was described as house music royalty in our previous episode with Dwayne Harden, so we had to roll out the red carpet for her. Her name is Gladys Pizarro, and she is the co-founder of iconic house music label Strictly Rhythm, and through her work there has helped to propel the careers of people like Roger Sanchez, Armand Van Helden, and little Louis Vega. She is still very much part of the scene today, and as you're here, is working on some very exciting projects. In our chat, 
You'll hear about her growing up and where she learned all about dance music. I got all my um, my degree in, in dance music right in the heart of the projects. <laughs> you know, the, the guys um, used to bring their amplifier and the two turntables and hook it up to the lamppost. And on Fridays, it was on. About the legends she has worked with and how she has helped them in their careers. The best one is when Louis came in. I was like, oh. God, I can't believe he's here. All right, great. So it was great because I was able to help him do the um, the transformation from what he was doing into house. And her thoughts on how and why house music has managed to take over the world. House music is something that started in Chicago and in New York. You know, the UK developed its own sound and what it holds down to is it's a worldwide phenomenon. It, it appeals to everyone. It's amazing how something just completely evolved, it's completely snowballed. And it makes me feel, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy that we were able to create something and share it. And then the other countries making it their own. I hope you enjoy our conversation. This is Gladys Pizarro. House Culture. Hi, Gladys. Thank you so much for sitting down with us on the House Culture Podcast today. It's a real honour to have you on board. As co-founder of the iconic Strictly Rhythm record label, you have been responsible for laying the foundations of the house music scene, as well as launching the careers of many of the superstars that we know and love today. You're still pushing things forward with your current venture launch entertainment, But before we get into all of that, can we go back to the beginning and find out where you grew up and what kind of music you first discovered when you were young? Okay, awesome. Well, first of all, uh, Matt, thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor to be here with you. And um, okay, let's let's go back to the 1970s. grew up in Spanish Harlem. Mm-hmm. I came from um, my, my family's from Puerto Rico. And, um, you know, we lived in Spanish Harlem. So, I mean, during those times, it wasn't the best neighborhood, but it's where we lived. And, um, you know, I don't have any bad, I mean, no doubts about the area because it wouldn't make me the woman that I am today. Mm-hmm. Um my family was kind of strict, so I wasn't able to go to the clubs at an early age. All my friends were going to the clubs around 14 and 15. Wow. But I got I got all my um <laughs> my degree in in dance music right in the heart of the projects. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the guys um used to bring their amplifier and the two turntables and hook it up to the lamppost. Mm-hmm. And on Fridays it was on. Like, you know, people would get their beer. And their, and everything else, mm-hmm. <laughs> and their party favors, and and 99th Street and Third Avenue was the place to be. Yeah. So if you weren't, you know, if you weren't able to go clubbing and spend the ten or fifteen dollars at that time, you'll have a good time right on 99th Street and Third Avenue for free. Wow. And what? So I'd imagine it's a real melting pot of music as well. Those type of events, like people bringing their own stuff for people to play and just everyone just getting involved like what kind of things were you hearing there then it was early disco and Mm hip-hop you know early disco um people were doing the hustle which was a dance back then (laughs) and and then they would also sometimes play a little hip-hop the early stuff like not not well africa by matter but but before that um to the hip-hop sugar hill gang yeah sugar hill gang yeah Mm -hmm. you know things like that and evelyn champagne king a little r&b 
But yeah, if it wasn't for all of that eclectic, straight up ghetto, fabulous music, you know, I, I was lucky to get all that eclectic music. Um, I was listening to all of that at that particular time. Yeah. And then again, my father, my father was a merchant marine, so he traveled a lot and he brought us records. He brought us like, we always, he was always blasting his Latin salsa records. Uh-huh. Or if not, he'd bring Elvis Presley, James Brown. We had all that kind of music being played at my house. And my, I have two sisters as well. So they were listening to WABC, which was a rock station, a pop uh-huh. station. And then my other sister was listening to more R&B. Mm-hmm. So, so it was all, all types of music in my house yeah yeah your sister's older than you are yes i have two older sisters yeah like the amount of people we've spoken to as well and me also i've got an older brother it's like so many people have had that influence and it kind of gets filters down to a point where the youngest gets all of this education yeah i can't you know like i have no complaints whatsoever that was a really memorable time in my life Mm -hmm. and so you're mentioning like these block parties and whatever like what was the kind of what was the vibe at the, these types of places? There was never like any trouble or anything like that. Oh. Was just people just going going crazy. What what was it? No, no. It was, I mean, people. That's when um, a lot of people were just having fun, mm-hmm. you know, smoking and um, drinking their beers, smoking their you know their little pot and stuff, and um, and then just having a good time, vibing, mm. vibing off the music and um, vibing off the music. And it was you know at that time also there was the battling. Like mm-hmm. there was a battle of dances, like who could dance the who could dance the best. Um, they would throw um, Jimmy Cast a bunch, yeah. um, just begun, right? Mm-hmm. Da, 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 right. They would throw just begun, and the guys would be battling each other, doing their dance and everything. And it was kind of cool, you know. We were looking forward to like, oh, oh, who's gonna who's gonna outdo the next, who's gonna outdo the next one, you know? Like who's mm-hmm. who's gonna do this, who's gonna do that? It was kind of cool. So you had Jimmy Casterbunch, they would play James Brown. They would play, I mean, there were so many great tracks at that particular time that, you know, everybody would try to outdo each other in their dances, yeah. you know? Yeah. So <laughs> can you remember the first record that you bought with your own money? What, what was that? I, I begged my mom for 75 cents. I was mm-hmm. like, mom, please. I, I, got, I got like all A's this semester. And she gave me the 75 cents and I bought The Love You Save at the Jackson Five. Mm-hmm. That was my first record that I ever bought. It was a 45. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I kept collecting records like once a week, you know, like then I got One Bad Apple by the Osmonds. So anyway, yeah. And then, I, you know, I, I was always a record collector. Mm-hmm. Never, you know, I never went into DJing because I, I just didn't see myself doing that. But but I collected records for years. I just yeah. don't have them anymore because when I moved out of my apartment, I wasn't bringing, you know, I wasn't going to bring them. So I just, a friend of mine was like, oh, I'll take them. So he took my whole collection, even all my Strictly stuff gone. Wow. I don't have that one record. Oh, no way. Anymore. Yeah, I know. Uh, wait, wait, uh, you know, a lot of DJs I've spoken to have sold a lot of their collections. Say so it feels like something's been, a weight's been lifted as well, not only physically, but, you know, mentally. I just as couldn't, well. you know, it, it was, I love having them, but then there was a point where I was just like, um, I'm not going to be able to hold on to these anymore. So yeah, um, yeah. I gave it to someone that appreciated it and they, they have my collection. Yeah. Well, that's the best thing, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. 
So, like, talk to me about, you know, what you wanted to be, like, when you were growing up or whatever, are you going to, like, school and things? What were you interested in? Did you ever think you were thinking about a career in music? No. What happened was um, I went to school and I um, actually wanted to be a director, a film director. No way. And and I got myself a job for a few years as a production assistant. I worked on a few movies Mm -hmm. um, as a production assistant with um, Richard Gere, um, Jackie Chan. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of, yeah, a couple of... I was doing that for a few years, Mm -hmm. but um, it's a lot of work. You know, it's a lot, like many hours minimum pay and um freezing and you know reshooting things in the winter was not you know it was not a good thing it was kind of good because i had my foot in the door yeah. but but then i was like nah this isn't working out um and then i got myself a job at a at a at a music store at a electronic store mm-hmm. like the wiz you know and then a friend of mine he was he knew he was like i want to see if you can get a job at spring records and um, and that's how I met Mark Finkelstein at Screen Records. That was the mm-hmm. worst receptionist in the world. I mean, I I sucked at typing, and I was good at taking messages and relaying mess, you know, and relaying messages on the phone and stuff like that. But but I was a horrible typist. It took me forever to to invoices, and it, you know, we didn't have computers back then, so I had to white it out, you know. <laughs> and and um, I'm just happy that he stood by me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why why he had so much faith in me and because I was not really a good person for the, for the office. Right. Yeah. But, but he did notice that I'd like to go out a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was starting, I got a, a promotion from receptionist to promotion. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I really blossomed there. You know, I was like going to the clubs. I was like, wait a minute, you're going to pay me. You're going to pay me to go to the clubs. Yeah. He was like, yeah. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> all of a sudden the heavens, the heaven opened up this you know and um and that was it that was it because i was like i was doing it anyway but now i had um, an expense account Mm -hmm. and i could go visit frankie knuckles i could go see david i could go see jelly bean i could go see louie i was like oh this is crazy yeah yeah i mean if we just back up just a little bit, like obviously Mark Finkelstein is like the co-founder of Strictly Rhythm with, with yeah. you. And, you know, you, st- you, said, you mentioned you started as a receptionist at Spring Records. I mean, yeah. as a sidebar to that, at that moment, you were obviously well into the clubbing scene in New York as well. What, uh, what clubs were you going to and what was the general kind of feeling in those clubs and the music at that time as well? Okay. So I was going to a club by the name of 1018, um, Emerald City, the Red Parrot. They, those were um, those were clubs that were playing commercial music. And at that time, it was called Latin Freestyle. Mm-hmm. Okay, And um, I wasn't even in, I mean, I was not at the house area yet. I was just going to those clubs doing yeah. the uh, freestyle thing. Yeah. Um, and I was working at Spring. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine took me to Club Zanzibar, mm-hmm. and that was it. <laughs> I'll never forget walking up the stairs of that club and seeing the mirror, which was completely, how would I say, not smoky, but it was like, you know, when, the, when you... Yeah, um, it was just, misty, it's, yeah. Yeah, it was like, I remember the mirror being so, I don't know what's the right word for it, but it was just so hot because it mm-hmm. was like, 
condensation. Yeah, I was going up the stairs and the, the all you could hear is that kick, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And then the, this Tony was just like killing the the crossovers with um move your body. Dun, 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 dun. And it was like, like and I was like, oh my God. The the I know what you want to say. I'm like getting excited just talking about <laughs> it. the 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 club was like in sweating. Mm-hmm. It was sweating, like the ceiling was dripping, and the energy in that place was crazy it reminds me a little bit of how i when i used to go to ministry of sound how it was but Mm -hmm. but the thumping sound system in that place was intense Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna be honest with you i went to the club that one time and then i became a regular that was it for me (laughs) that was it that was it that was it i I became like a a a weekend member Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that, that just talking about it i got like i was there yeah yeah, I, yeah. yeah, and it's like legendary now. It's Zanzibar, New Jersey, Tony Humphreys. It's like, yeah, for me, that was, as a British guy hearing about that, it's like, yeah, it's it's it sounds incredible. That was just an amazing time for mm-hmm. House. And that that friend that took me to that place, little did I know that I was going to work at a label and start putting music out. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any musical background. All I know is what I liked. Yeah, yeah, and I just used to go there and get hear him play, and and be like, oh, I love this, I like this, you know, like I would buy this, mm-hmm. like I would buy this record. So we didn't have Shazam back then, but <laughs> but I'm like knock on his door and look to see what he's playing. But I was that I, he gets total credit for everything yeah. in my career. Oh, wow. He knows it. I I don't take any I don't take him for granted whatsoever because he was the one that taught me about house music. Wow, and I mean, so at this stage, yeah, you're 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 basically you've been taken under the wing by Mark. He's seen something in you. You know, you've got this street level credibility. You're plugged into the sound. You know, where so you were promoted at Spring, or did you? So and then what happened after that with Strictly? I was promoted because I was going out to the clubs all the time, Mm -hmm. and and um and Spring was an R&B, soulful R&B label back in the day, which had the Fatback Band, Joe Simon, Millie Jackson. So I was getting my feet wet with that kind of, um, with that kind of music. Um, it did really well for a certain amount of time until the late 80s when the New Jack Swing started taking over. Mm-hmm. And that kind of music started happening. And then the R- R&B, the R&B that, traditional R&B that we were doing was no longer the, you know, what the public wanted. Of course, is what they wanted, but there was a new, a new Jack Swing, a new era that swept the nation, so to speak, right? Yeah. For, the, for the younger kids, mm-hmm. for, the, I don't know, for the younger crowd. Yeah, yeah. So then that company went under. Mm-hmm. And then um, one day, Mark was like, look, I really like, I really like, would like to stay in the business would you come with me? And I was like, hell yeah, I need a job. Um, <laughs> and I love what we're doing. It's just, what do we do next? Yeah. Now, he asked me, and I said, well, I see freestyle is kind of dying out in a weird way. Mm-hmm. But what I, but what's come to me right now is I just went to this club, Zanzibar, and I think the way to go, I think we should start doing house music. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, let's go. So he opened up a little label, mm-hmm. at sixteen, a little office at 1650 Broadway, which had two rooms. And we were 
we were everything in there. I was his receptionist, A&R, everything. Uh-huh. I worked in the mailroom. He did the accounting. He helped me with promotion, make some phone calls. And that's how we started. Amazing. And, you know, Mark as an individual as well, you know, you guys, you couldn't be further apart, really. I mean, what was, yeah, the, yeah. What was the dynamic between the two of you like? No, no. You when you see Mark, you could you think he's a Wall Street guy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, he had a suit on, his cowboy boots, you know, and every and then they see the street kid that hangs out with him, and it's funny because some demos when people come in and they would want to give us demos, they were like, "I don't see the what what's going on here. I don't see the," but but little did they know that, you know, we were gonna be a you know, an amazing label. Yeah, yeah. I call us, I call us the little label that could, because mm-hmm. we, you know, in the beginning, it, it was hard, but we got through it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so that was set up in 1989, right? So. Oh, yeah, around, yeah, 1889. Yes, it was 89. Yeah, I think. yeah. 89, yeah. And I mean, you mentioned A&R as well, and like you were very much in charge of that. Just for the benefit of our listeners, what what does what does an A&R person do? What's your kind of role really in, in, in a record label doing well, that job? Well, first of all, you got to look for a producer that produces something that you think people will like mm-hmm. and that people will buy. So I, you know, what worked for me is that I'm a consumer. So I go, when I was going to the clubs, I was like, oh, I'm buying that. I got to get the name of that. Mm-hmm. I want that, you know? So that that was my, that me wanting to buy something is good because I'm exactly what the label wants. They, I'm the consumer. Mm-hmm. I'm the consumer and, um, and I'm the collector. And my job is to make sure that you buy the record. Yeah. <laughs> that there's this there's, there's going to be a crowd of people that are going to want to buy it because mm-hmm. it's that good and i mean setting up a, a, a like a house music specific kind of label at that time as well is you know it's almost like a bit of a leap into the unknown almost i suppose no, it was absolutely a leap to the unknown we had yeah. no no way of knowing how to do this mm-hmm. it was definitely a trial and error <laughs> it yeah. was a trial everything we were like okay let's just try this and it worked it worked and it didn't we're like all right next yeah so i mean how were you discovering like talent like obviously you're you're at zanzibar you're knocking on the window you're like consuming like what's being played there like how were how else were you discovering talent were people approaching you was it through conversations what was happening in the beginning i had to go i was going out to clubs and you know hearing and, and looking around to see if any DJ was was going to give like a cassette or that to any of those guys. Mm-hmm. And that's how I met Roger. Roger was, you know, he used to sell his tapes in the street. And I used to like, he made a record for another company in the building that I like called Ego Trip. Mm-hmm. And I just approached him and I said, look, I would like you to do something for me because I really like this record. And um, I spoke to Mark. I got some studio time. And I put him in the studio and he produced Love Dancing. Oh, I, I, I was listening to that before this interview. <laughs> uh, it's like one of my all-time faves. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, right? I yeah. was like, I, and I was like, yo, this is the ball. Mm. This, this, he he nailed it. And what's really bizarre, it was a New Year, wait, a Christmas Eve, he produced that record, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and the minute we're ready to leave, we I'm ex- I'm happy about the project. Something happens and it all goes like it's gone. Mm-hmm. Like it, the 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 music, everything that was ready to put on that, something happened to the to the board, 
yeah. and erased everything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but thank God the next day, mm. um, Roger went and, and he, he nailed it just the, the same way he did the prior day. Wow. Because I was like, oh, God. No, but he nailed it. So, yeah. you know, the rest is history. Yeah, it's, I mean, the underground solution, isn't it? You put it out as, and it's like, yeah, it still works now. I've, I, you know, I have heard people play it in the last like year. You know, it still That's works. Crazy. It's awesome. That's one of the important things I got to say that we're lucky. Like the, some of the songs that are on Strictly that were done in the 90s, mm-hmm. you can still play some of those records today and they work. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's why you know we'll come on to the to the legacy of, of some of those. I mean, you know, like you said, you're a consumer as well. So once you've got these records or sign these tracks, you know they're going to be like hits, or you know they're going to be big. How then were you getting them out there? Were you getting them into the hands of DJs and record pluggers and like how yeah, was that working? In the beginning, it was hard because I didn't have any credibility, mm. right? Because they were like, oh, what is this? You know, like someone would bring the record. They're like, oh. But once I signed the warning and I went to Tony and I gave it to Tony, mm-hmm. and Tony Humphreys played it on this show, 98.7 Kiss. Not only did he play it 98.7 Kiss, I think he played it like two times. <laughs> By the time I went, to the office on Monday, mm-hmm. the phones were ringing off the off the hook because people wanted to license it and people wanted to have it for their stores. Mm-hmm. So that gave me credibility. That that gave me street cred. Yeah. Once you know, once I once that record came out, that that was you know that was it. Yeah. It was between it was Love Dancing and The Warning. Mm-hmm. I had like two. And then that was it. People started sending us music. Now people want to make, yeah, you know, they want to come in. In terms of the warning, like how how did that come about? How did you discover that? What what happened there? No, that that came in through Eddie Eddie Maduro. Actually, I think Eddie worked at a place called um, Pellegrino Promotions, mm-hmm. and we were putting out the word that we were looking for from you know for talent. We were looking for demos. We wanted to put music out. So the word got out and people started sending um, cassettes in. Mm-hmm. Cassettes. And um, and when I heard that, I was like, "This, you know, we got to get this. Because that was really brilliant, that mm-hmm. song. That, that track is brilliantly produced. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that, it was just amazing. And that that was a collaboration between um, Eddie Maduro and Wayne Gardner, yeah. who's amazing. He was amazing. They're both amazing. So, so when you when you when you got something like that, and you know, was the trust in you from Mark to kind of run with it? Like, did he say, you know, that was your type or or your part of the job, or was he? Did he have to sign off on it as well? I think what one thing that was awesome is that he didn't interfere. Mm -hmm. He did the business. He that was his thing, and he let me be totally creative, and that's why we bought. You know we were good that way yeah yeah absolutely it worked and you know you've you've already mentioned you know roger as in roger sanchez you know the list goes on like armor van helden masters at work barbara tucker i mean it's huge um and i'd always imagine it's like it's pretty thrilling like discovering some new talent um you know tell us about a time where 
you've really been blown away by someone or something where someone's come in the door or a tape has come in or something and you just know that this person has got it and they're going to be big. This Okay. Now, I've been a huge, wait, huge, huge Louis Vega fan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Todd Terry. So I met Todd when I worked that spring. I was a receptionist there. And when he used to come in, I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, like so excited. And he wouldn't talk to me. You know, he was like, you know, going to the office and stuff. Mm-hmm. But as he kept coming in, and I think I broke the ice. I'm like, oh, I really like your stuff. I collect your records. Then we kind of started talking, hey, Gladys, you know, and stuff. That was kind of cool. So that was cool because I met him at spring. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got to Strictly, I was like, hey, Todd, I'm doing A&R now at Strictly Rhythm. Would you come by and do you have anything for me? You know, Mark is here as well. Not only did he come in to see me at Strictly, but he bought me a like a a cake, like 12 dats to go through. Wow. He's like, hey, these are some of my, pick out what you want. Yeah. It's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> now, once he came in, it gave me leverage for Kenny to come in. Mm-hmm. And if now we got tied in Kenny, then who else comes in? Mm-hmm. Louis. <laughs> the rest <laughs> the rest is history you know the best one is when louis came in mm-hmm. uh this is a good one okay when louis came in he and i was i was like oh god i can't believe he's here all right great louis came in to see me and he gave me a debt mm-hmm. he goes oh i have a few things here that i i worked on let me know what you think i was like okay no more no worries i'll check it out and um i think he left <laughs> the minute I heard it, I was, you know what it was? Hard drive. Deep inside. <laughs> the hard drive EP. He's like, you know what? He goes, because this is the thing. Check uh-huh. this out, man. This is the thing. He goes, um, this was the time when he was going to, um, he was doing freestyle and remixes at that time. So I was a great, I don't know, like a great person to, at the time to um, do the, not transformation, but he was transitioning. Mm-hmm. He was transitioning from from doing what he was doing. Well, I mean, he was a remixer. He was remixing and doing kind of freestyle remixes and things like that. And I, I forgot. Um, and I'm trying to think of that song. Anyway, anyway, he was yeah. I think I'm Tommy Boy. I just can't remember. Information Society. Okay. Um, so it was great because I was able to help him do the. Um, the transformation from what he was doing into house. Mm-hmm. And we developed such a friendship and such a great relationship that he was just giving me all his, practically all of his house, his the beginning of his house tracks. He was doing it with me. And I was ecstatic because I loved everything he did. Mm-hmm. We were just like both happy and excited about most of the tracks that he was putting out. Incredible. And, you know, you've already talked about the, the two tunes that, you know, Underground Solution and, um, oh, it's already, yeah, it's, I know. It's already <laughs> slipped my mind. Um, not Hard Drive. Um, but anyway, you, you've already become, you've already got Strictly on the on the map and, you know, things are moving on and forward. You know, what? when was the moment where you realised, actually, we've, like, really smashed this now? We're really, like, part of, an integral part of the scene? And Oh, no, yeah. It, I think it was, um, 
we were just killing it because uh, let me see the year might have been i say 90 92 92 mm -hmm. around 92 i came back with a vengeance it was just like i came i brought eric murillo in mm -hmm. um armand van helden in i brought india in india i brought um barbara tucker in mm -hmm. and it was just i was just <laughs> <laughs> it was it's just nuts. like almost you know yeah um yeah that was a really Really? Oh my God! Yeah, and then we did. I like to move it, so mm -hmm. it's it's a lot. It was a lot. It was yeah. a good. It was a. I had a good streak. Yeah, and you know, in terms of, it wasn't necessarily tied to one particular sound or like the label. It was, you know, it could, you know, like Josh Wink, High State of Consciousness. It's the same label that put out Ultranate Free. You know, it's. It had to um, be eclectic. Yeah, I mean, was that a difficult thing to do to to and to no. maintain that? No, I, I think that's what made, I think that's what people loved. You didn't know what you were going to get, <laughs> like chocolates, you know, like you didn't know. One day is, it, it, one day it could be, yeah, um, Josh Wink, one day it could be real to real, mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah. One day it could be Witch Doctor. Yeah. You know, you don't know. Do you have like a particular uh, favorite or at least a store a creation story that you might have been involved with somehow around one of those tracks or anything like that oh there's so many um <laughs> i remember when louis was doing india's record mm -hmm. um river ocean oh. and he was he was like so excited he was like oh my god i don't know i, I gotta i gotta call gladys it was like four in the morning mm -hmm. <laughs> you're like four in the morning like gladys you gotta come to the studio i'm like louis four in the morning he goes you really need to come hear this and i was like when you go, listen, when Louis said, like, it was like, like, all right, no problem. Let me jump. Let me go see what it, what it is. And and it was worth it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite of all time. You know, he, he's like, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. And, uh, yeah. and right away. And one thing is funny is like, that was at four in the morning. By the time I got to work at 10, I was like, Mark, we got to, <laughs> we need a contract. We need to sign this right away before, <laughs> before it goes to someone else. So I was like, yeah, we, I was on it. Yeah. I, I reacted quickly. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, were there any ones out there um, that you've, you've heard and you kind of kick yourself that you didn't get or ones that slipped through the net or ones that you wish you'd signed or something like that? No, you know, um, I've been lucky that I haven't really passed anything. But one thing that I do, I, I wish, I remember seeing him all the time and he wanted to give me um, demos and all that. And I was just like, I didn't really get, I didn't, I don't know, I just, I didn't maybe have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Sandy Rivera. Mm-hmm. Sandy would have could have been one of my guys as well, but I don't know. For some reason, we just didn't. The planets didn't align for whatever right, reason. Right, right. But he's yeah. doing fine now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's doing great. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He didn't need me. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so like moving forward through Strictly Rhythm. I mean, the first iteration of the label it kind of closed its doors in two thousand and two, and you know, you were there until the very last day yeah, 2002 was it 2002 yeah, yeah you nailed it yeah yeah, yeah. and um i mean at that stage and particularly what was going on you know it's just post 9-11 in new york and things like that and the you know the house music tastes were changing a bit in terms of what people were interested in for the dance floors and things like that did you feel like it was the end of an era and how yeah was no that no doubt no. I, I had a great 16 year run yeah yeah. I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I never thought that that day was going to end, you mm-hmm. know, and, and when it did, it, it was it was kind of painful mm-hmm. because it's what I knew. And then all of a sudden everything just stopped. So. So, yeah, it was uh, the transition was was kind of weird. But mm-hmm. but, you know, we, we, we move on. Yeah. Life moves on, you know, mm-hmm. and we try to give it another round. But, you know, and then EDM came and it just was weird. Like we didn't, I'm not going to speak for Mark, but mm-hmm. I just didn't, I couldn't relate to it. And then mm-hmm. it got to a point where like, Oh, we need to do what they're doing. So to speak. And I was like, no, anyway, it, it, it didn't work out for me and, and him. And he decided to joint venture with other companies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did something with defected for a moment. And then yeah. that didn't necessarily work out. And everybody just went their own way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 a shame but like you said it's a it was a very very long run of like you know even yeah, the right. stuff that I could name off the top of my head while I was like researching this uh, is suddenly the scale of the chat was becoming overwhelming in terms of looking at all of the other ones that I'd forgotten about that were on the label and released during that during that period. It's an incredible run. I mean, you should be so proud. It's it's you know it's a real fat part of the fabric of of the house music scene. Um, okay, so where what's what's happening right now? What are your thoughts on on the scene? Well, no, let's talk launch entertainment. I had a great little run for a minute, but mm-hmm. I had a, a passing in the family, mm-hmm. and um, so I decided to take a year off. And mm-hmm. and literally, it's been it's going to be a year, literally. So. Um, just to reevaluate where I belong, because I'm older now and I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. I don't mind running the label, but my my um, position needs to change a mm-hmm. bit, mm-hmm. you know. So I may help and do a little promotion, a little. I just don't know where I'm fitting. I'm gonna fit, but I'm definitely not gonna be doing A and R. A little bit, a little bit, 
but not 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 like not like before. Mm. Well, I mean yeah. that's good though. I mean at least you know I'm getting the vibe and the sense that you know you haven't fallen out of love with it, and you know you're not saying it's a hard stop. I've had enough. I'm done. So you know it's good that you're you're maintaining that that element yeah. of. Uh, keeping your toe in there i suppose i'm gonna keep my toe in but I'm, i gotta have someone else run it and and I'll, I'll help run it but someone else is gonna have to do the the leg work let's mm-hmm. say that mm-hmm. yeah cool i mean so what's so what's involved in in launch entertainment what, what what does it what facets does it go into in the scene and you know is okay, it a label so- events what's going on no um well that's what i'm doing what i'm planning on doing now is um I get the producer and I get the writer. I'm, I'm doing more of the, I'm putting things together. Mm-hmm. Like I got the writer and I got the, the music and then we'll find a singer. It's, it's I'm trying to do more. I don't want to say commercial, but I want to do more um, crossover. Yep. You know, I'm still mm-hmm. on the street edge, mm-hmm. but something that has the potential of crossing over. Mm-hmm. And then I have a few things that I'm working on now and I'm, I'll be releasing in, um, in the summer. I know we've been talking on email as well, and you have mentioned a house music documentary. Oh yes, that you're working so, on. Obviously, you... this podcast is all about like the oral history of house. You know, we've been speaking to everyone and anyone, and you know, now you're a part of that as well. I'm so excited to hear about what you're working on. Tell us more if you can. Yeah, of course. So, um, for the last, I, I gotta say, I've, I've been on this project for like the last ten years, and it's pretty much the story of what I spoke to you about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to get, I have great, great interviews with MK. I mean, pretty much everyone that's been on the label. And I <laughs> even have great footage of Eric, mm-hmm. Eric Murillo mm-hmm. before he passed. And um, he tells his story and Armand tells his story. And I have also, you know, Louis tells his story. Uh-huh. And um, it's going to be quite interesting um, putting it together. I'm just trying to figure out how I want to end it. It's never going to end. I mean, the, um, <laughs> the you know, and it's good as well. I suppose it's harking back to your original passion of wanting to be a filmmaker. Yeah, it's so bizarre because it, it, it came full circle. Mm-hmm. The thing is, um, I was interviewing them. And what I don't like is that it's really going back to me. So I got to ha- I got to give this project to someone else mm-hmm. because it wasn't supposed to be about me. <laughs> It's supposed to be about how they came from humble beginnings and became, you know, they flourished and mm. became these DJs, world-renowned DJs. That's what the story is supposed to be about. Yeah. But it all triggers back to me and it's, look, and it's awkward, you know? So that's why I have to give this to someone else. To, mm. to, you know, I got the footage, I got everything, but it has to go, it has to go to someone else. <laughs> uh, I can't do it. <laughs> You're too modest, it sounds like. No. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, looking at the kind of scene as it is right now, obviously we're in this like weird post-not-so-post-COVID lockdown thing. You know, uh, clubs have been closed for a bit. People are a bit um, not necessarily frightened, but certainly more cautious about going out to these big environments. I mean, what's your take on on what's going to happen like in the in the immediate six months and then just like the future of the scene in general what do you think i'm like wait a minute first of all there's parties going on in new york i mean i i saw the weekend 718 party i saw Louis playing the other day um 
oh my god and i look at instagram i see um um oh my god the beautiful club i want to go to i mean it, it's in the uk but anyway it was full mm-hmm. to capacity mm-hmm. i mean jam-packed people having a good time mm-hmm. hands up in the air you know like I haven't seen that in a long time. And that's what's coming. Mm-hmm. That's what's coming. And I want to be there for that. Because first of all, we've all been cooped up for the last two years. And we want to get out and party. So so when this, I'm a, the industry is going to boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well-deserved because we deserve it because we've been indoors for two years. Yeah. So the yeah. minute that this happens, it's going to be off the hook. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. I can see myself in Ibiza now, drinking those little chupitos, man. Uh, <laughs> Ibiza, what is it? Yelbas. <laughs> Yelbas. Oh man, yeah. It was. Uh, I did manage to get out there October last year for a, for a weekend, but even that was a bit a bit strange. It was like no dancing, but you were allowed to table. It was very very strange, but still, it's nice. I see myself in Cafe Mambo. Yeah, I know it's gonna happen. <laughs> You're rubbing your hands. It's great. Cool. I mean, you know, and generally, what do you think um, is going to happen for like labels and things like that in the future? Like, obviously, you know, you've been into this scene for, for 30 years and you've seen like the change from vinyl through to digital and clubs and how events change. And now we've got like virtual things going on. What what do you think is kind of the longer term future of this scene? Do you think it's going to keep evolving, or or um, you know what's going no, to happen? It's, it's, people are going to want to go out. I mean, you got to have that interaction with others. I mean, the virtual thing is cool for now, but mm-hmm. we have to have that human human to human contact. It's not it's not the same. Yeah, you know we we need that. We need to definitely feel each other's vibe. But for now, I mean, I'm I'm not really into the virtual thing. It's kind of it's all right. I want to. I want to feel my needs. I want to. I want to be there with people. Yeah. And put your hands up and feel the music. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know, pulsing I miss, through. I miss that so yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. sending me that club? I just saw them. You know, it's it's the. I think the hottest thing in London right now. Oh. oh, is it Printworks? That's it. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Wow, that place is. I I haven't been there yet, but it's really. It looks like a beautiful club. It's incredible. I mean, do you know the history of the building? Because it's called Printworks because it used to house the printing presses for one of the big newspapers um, in London. And so it used to have this huge, huge amount of machinery in there. So, I mean, the actual building itself is vast. It's it's incredible. And um, they're they're only... they're turning it all into flats in a few... in apartments in a couple of years, I think. So the, the... the agreement was that they could turn it into a club while they're getting planning permission for the apartments. Wow. So if you're going to go, you need to get you need to go so, because it's not going to be oh, there forever. It's so beautiful. Like I, I look at pictures in that place mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, it's, it's so nice. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a, a huge, long, vast cathedral. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps I know. saying about it. I know. <laughs> and packed. I mean... Anyway, enjoy it. Hopefully, I, I don't know when I'll be up there soon, but... Uh, oh, you'll I love can, it. I, yeah, <laughs> I can get the vibe off of, <laughs> off of um, Instagram. Yeah, cool. I mean, so we've talked, we've covered um, all the stuff that I wanted to go through. So it's really, really good. I mean, is there anything else, before we move on to the tracks and the playlist, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Yeah, oh, 
all right. I know, I know, I know, I know. So, yeah, all right. So I'm, you know, I have a few guys that I'm working with now that you guys will pay attention. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm really, really feeling this kid from Peru. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Kenny Bryant. Look out for his music coming out. He's he's all over the place, but he's also doing some things for launch. Mm-hmm. And there's a new kid also. Actually, not new. I've been working with him when I was at Strictly by the name of Saliva Commandos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's doing some amazing work and Junior Rivero. So just a few names just to put out there. Okay. For all you DJs and consumers to check out in the next few months. Cool, 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 cool. And like, so talking about artists and tunes as well, like, you know, we're going to move on to the playlist now. And what we always ask our guests to do is we've got on Spotify, it's the House Culture Perfect Playlist. And every single one of our guests has, has provided for, five tracks based on different themes for this playlist it's you know it's over i think it's over 24 hours long now it's 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 huge and there are so many different um tastes and choices and things in there that that. is great so yeah it's it's a great eclectic listen and obviously you've been fantastic and um and diligent in getting me your choices before we've spoken so um i've uh you know for the ones that sometimes they're completely out of left field and I'm like I've never heard this tune before so I need to do to educate myself but these are all really fantastic choices so thank you you've already mentioned this tune as well but a catalyst tune that first got you into into house music what have you chosen I um well we just spoke about that mm-hmm. it was my it was the my first hit of house music um it was um Marshall Jefferson move your body yeah yeah. And we just discussed that. That was it for me. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, God, this is so good. Yeah. And I think it was her first house track to have a piano on it, I think, or something. I've definitely seen an interview with Marshall talking about that. So It's so good. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You still hear it today and I go bananas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. A floor filler. I know that we had, uh, you, were, uh, you, you were on the it's... fence with some of the choices. I can go through your three that you sent over. And you can maybe pick one from there. So the first is like Crystal Waters, Gypsy Woman, yeah. Basement Jacks, Fly Life, shout out to Basement Jacks. And Weiss, Feel My Needs. Obviously, a bit of a span there in terms of release dates. What do you want to choose? Well, tell tell me what, what your feelings are on each one of those and why they popped into your head. Oh, my God. And I, I forgot Lola's theme. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that... You leave your drink at the bar when that comes up. You're like, oh, you know. Da, 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 da. All right, that's my that's my favorite of all time. Yeah, yeah. We can put Even that one it's in. A little, I mean, it's a little dated, but I don't know for floor fillets right now. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't think of anything, and I hope I'm not. I just can't think of anything off my head that I'm like, oh my god, that gets me so excited, like those records do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that analogy. That's you put your drink down at the bar for that. And you, yeah, that's great. <laughs> cool. And for a sunsetter, you've chosen basically anything by Steve Miller, Afterlife. I love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when he gets hold of even the remixes and things that he's done, always top draw. I agree. Cool. Um, a tearjerker. Definitely. Unfinished Symphony. Mm-hmm. It has such a, the video has always touched me. I don't know why, but yeah. it, it's, it's just brilliant, brilliantly mm-hmm. produced. And um, 
look, I can't even say anything. <laughs> yeah. Let's no. just leave it there. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, like you say, the video oh, yeah. is iconic. Um, there's so much going on in that and you can see the the power on, it's, um, who's the vocalist? Sharon Nelson, isn't it? I think uh, you see the rawness and power of the of everything on her, on her face. And the, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just the strings every time, forget me. Yeah. That's absolutely. Something was going on in the studio that day. Yeah. And and you know, it's, it's, I heard it not so long ago, and I'm like, I still get those, that feeling that you know, goosebumps. It's just beautifully, beautifully produced. Yeah, yeah. And what's your last tune? Ah, uh, I think if you play this at the end of the night, and everybody like one more, one more, one more, and you just drop that guitar part. Do, 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 do. You know, uh, everybody's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's perfect for today because. <laughs> freedom mm-hmm. is can be taken away it's yeah. like something that we all need to really think about these days because we are in a place where it where you know it could be taken away and we're taking it for granted so it couldn't come at a better time you're so right and yeah like it still means so much the lyrics in in that yeah. um and everyone knows them it's one of those ones that even when it was released you just knew that you'd still be hearing this in clubs and on dance floors forevermore. You know, it's like a full-on classic. It still it still works today, and it's still very meaningful today. Yeah, it has a lot of meaning to it. Absolutely. So. And um, so we always wrap up with our final question, which is um, obviously we are house culture. And you are part of the fabric of the scene, part of that culture, been driving it forward, been delivering all these anthems and iconic tracks via Strictly Rhythm into our eardrums for for decades. Um, When you look at the whole culture of the scene and your part within it, what does it mean to you? Um, And what has it brought you in your life when you look look at it as a whole? Well, what's interesting to me is that House music is, it's so funny. It's its house music. It's like, it's something that started in Chicago and in New York. And of course, every, you know, the UK developed its, its own sound and it, the Italians and Europe. Mm-hmm. But what I, it's, what I hold down to is it's a worldwide phenomenon. Like it's, it appeals to everyone. And oh my God, in South Africa is out of control now. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're, they just taking house to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. That's how it reminds me of how it was for us in the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, I keep seeing videos and I'm like, wow, it's just it's amazing how something just completely evolved. It's completely snowballed. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy that we were able to create something and share it. And then the other countries making it their own. So it's just something that appeals to everyone that's there's a brilliant final thought thank you so much it was really nice meeting you Matt. i had a really you took me down uh, memory lane and um i'm a little like touched by that so thank you house culture oh how nice was that gladys was such a lovely guest And I'm sure you'll agree, an absolute pleasure to chat to as we all accompanied her on that journey down memory lane. 
I loved hearing all those stories about people who just need those one name introductions like Roger and Louis. We all know who they are. I'm also excited to hear more about that documentary she's working on. Sounds like it's going to be a genuine history of the scene told by those who were there. Kind of like this podcast, right? We'll keep our eyes open for that and obviously keep you informed on its development. What else you should look out for is, you heard her mention him in the interview, the new producer called Kenny Bryan coming straight out of Peru. He has a new track out soon called Chalura and it's an absolute beast. I thoroughly recommend searching it out if you can. And speaking of tunes, get yourself onto Spotify and start following the House Culture Perfect playlist. Here you'll find a selection of tracks curated by all of our previous podcast guests. Gladys's ones are in there now, including her last tune, which I realised we didn't actually ID by name in the interview, but I'm sure you got it from her very tuneful rendition. It was, of course, Free by Ultranate, a strictly rhythm classic. For her sunsetter, which was anything by the genius that is Steve Miller, aka Afterlife, I've chosen his timeless remix of Jakarta's American Dream. I've also made the executive decision to narrow Gladys's floor filler choice down to Lola's theme by the Shapeshifters. Once that playlist is busting out of your speakers, your job now is to help support this podcast by loving, liking, tweeting and sharing, or by leaving us a review. We love to hear your feedback here at HCHQ. And for those that are kind enough to take the time, we'll 100% give you a shout out on a future episode. This time I want to say a big hello to Jay Gasson, the gas man, who said that he really enjoyed listening to all of the super stories in our last episode with Dwayne Harden. Thanks so much, Jay. Make sure you spread the word and keep a lookout for our next few episodes as, I promise you, they'll be tastier than a triple cooked chip. Then if you want to continue the party, come on over to our Instagram feed at HouseCultureNet or get stuck into the hashtag TrueHouseCulture. And finally, you can always get in touch with me, Matt Rouse, directly on Instagram at DJ Matt Rouse. Thanks for listening. Rave safe and see you next time. House Culture. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.